0: On this episode of The Resetter Podcast, I bring you Dr. Anurag Singh. Now, a little bit of a background on what you're about to, to listen to. We are dived deep into mitochondrial health, and I love the way we approached it in, in a way of looking at powering up your mitochondria from an anti-aging perspective. So a little bit about Dr. Singh that I think is really interesting is not only is he the chief medical officer at Timeline Nutrition, which you'll hear us talk a lot about, um, but he has an MD in internal medicine and a PhD in immunology, and he has worked at some of the top consumer health companies, and he's been at startup companies like Timeline. He has authored over 40 articles in top science journals and has been awarded over 15 patents. This man is a force. And why I wanted to bring him to you is because Timeline Nutrition has a really some really interesting products that are key for mitochondrial health. But hopefully those of you that have been listening to me for a while know that I'm not here just to tell you to take a pill and all of a sudden your life will change. I'm here to show you a lifestyle that will not only slow aging, not only balance hormones, but will have you really, truly loving the body that you're living in. And Timeline Nutrition has come up with a really key product that involves a postbiotic called urythanol A. And urethinol A is a nutrient that our mitochondria need. So we've talked on here before about light, You're going to hear us talk a little bit about light here. We've talked about ketones. We've talked about CoQ10 and nutrition that you need to support and good fats that you need to support mitochondrial health. But we've never talked about why you need urethanol A. And in this conversation, not only are you going to learn why this nutrient is so important, but I'm hoping that you are going to learn why your mitochondria are the root. Listen to this for a moment. Your mitochondria are necessary. They are at the root of all of your health challenges. They are also at the root of being able to not only slow down aging, but to prevent health challenges. The mitochondria are that important. So I walked him all the way through, tell us why the mitochondria are that important. What do they do? How do they affect muscle growth? How do they affect skin health? How do they affect our immune system? What lifestyle changes do we need to make to keep our mitochondria healthy as we age? I went at this from as many angles as I could find so that you all could benefit from building a lifestyle that works for these mitochondria. So Dr. Singh, and know that if you're interested in getting his product, you can go to TimelineNutrition.com slash PELS, and they will give you 10% off on their product. And I highly recommend that you try their product for several months. You will notice a difference as the months continue on. So at the back half of this conversation, we dive into the product At the front half of the conversation we really go over mitochondrial health and what you need to know about it so dr singh timeline nutrition enjoy hey dr mindy here and welcome to season four of the resetter podcast please know that this podcast is all about empowering you to believe in yourself again if you have a passion for learning, if you're looking to be in control of your health and take your power back, this is the podcast for you. Enjoy. Hey, resetters. As we step into the new year, I am so thrilled to invite you on an extremely transformative journey with me in my Reset Academy. So check this out. If you're ready to kickstart your fasting and health journey, which I know so many of you have reached out to us and asked how you customize a fasting lifestyle for you, my Reset Academy is the absolute best place to be. Okay. Well, let's just jump right in, Dr. Singh. Let me start by just welcoming you to the Resetter podcast. I am so excited. I I probably am one of the rare few that's really excited to talk mitochondria. So, But I think after people listen to this, they'll understand why. So welcome. I'm happy you're here.
1: Thanks for having us. Thanks for that, Mindy.
0: You know what's really interesting is I really find the mechanics of cellular energy super fascinating. In fact, again, I find things like the Krebs cycle and how our cells take in our food and they take in vitamins and minerals and they convert that all into energy to be totally fascinating. And what I've seen over the last several decades is more and more people are understanding this one little part of their cell is key to energy, building muscle, um, to slowing down aging, and we are now throwing out the word mitochondria over and over again, like a buzz, kind of like a buzzword, without fully understanding all the things that the mitochondria do for us. So can we start with the conversation there? Why do we need to think about our mitochondria, and what are all the amazing things that these little powerhouses are doing for us?
1: Mm Sure. Sure. Yes, yeah, so the great question to kick it off. So mitochondria essentially are these tiny organelles inside a cell that are like the energy factories, right? So they are involved in 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 making energy. They are transmitting the currency of energy in our bodies. It's a molecule called ATP. Uh, and without that, you won't be able to get up from a chair. Without that, you won't be able to think clearly. So that's the key role uh, of mitochondria. In a nutshell, to simplify it, think of them as, as the batteries uh, powering your, your, your car, right, or your electric car. Okay. If, you, if, you, if you take out uh, the battery from a Tesla, the Tesla won't move, right? So that's exactly mm-hmm. the role of, of the mitochondria in, in our bodies. And they're essentially involved in everything from, uh, from uh, sensing the nutrients that we are getting in from the food, they're involved in protein synthesis. So a lot of uh, when you're taking your high-protein shake, for example, these are are the cellular organelles that are involved in the protein synthesis aspects of the cellular machinery. And, and then, you know, really they're involved as sort of the central pillars to get all the cellular organelles to talk to each other. That's where they play a very integral role.
0: And so are you? does everybody have the same amount of mitochondria? Or can you, like I've heard... When you're younger and if you're really athletic, you build a lot of extra mitochondria because perhaps you're building uh, more muscle. Um, like, are we all given the same amount of mitochondria or does it vary from person to person? Or do we even know?
1: The mitochondria are found in every cell type except the red blood cells, right? So now the more metabolic uh, the cell type, so typically the muscle, the skeletal muscle, the cardiac uh uh, cell, the, the the neuronal cell, these have thousands of mitochondria because their their requirement of energy is very high, and so w- what mm. happens basically is uh, compared to a platelet, for example, which is a kind of an immune cell that has only about eight to twenty mitochondria, the 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 muscle and the neuron cells have about you know fifteen to thirty thousand mitochondria, and so what happens with aging or as we all ages the number of mitochondria in these in these very metabolic energetic organ cells uh, so typically the the brain or the muscle or the heart cell or the liver cell they start varying and, and they start declining because now we are building a pool of unhealthy mitochondria and the healthy mitochondria are diminishing and so that's what happens with aging
0: okay and so what diminishes them if we if like if the name of the game is more mitochondria mean more cellular energy, which ultimately means more energy for every organ in our system, more energy for us. As we start to age, are there certain behaviors we can do to make sure that we keep our mitochondria healthy?
1: Sure. So typically, mitochondria in a life cycle uh, exist in sort of a healthy state and an unhealthy state, right? So You know, you start with this process, and I'll try to sort of break it down into the three sort of life cycle aspects of a mitochondria. When they're healthy, that's the process we called as sort of fission and fusion, which means now the mitochondria are talking to each other. They're happily talking to the other organelles. There's another phase called biogenesis, which means creating newer mitochondria. And that's when a lot of uh, small fragments in the cells come together from the mitochondria to make new mitochondria. And then there's a third aspect, which is mitophagy, which is basically collecting a lot of poor mitochondria and cleaning them out. So there's always a balance uh, when you say, how do you grow new mitochondria? You need to have these three systems that I just described in in absolute sync. So the creation of the new mitochondria, uh, the ones that you have, so they're talking and being more energy producing, and then the cleaning of the mitochondria. And, And so what can you do? Well, there are two interventions actually that are super well-studied. One is, uh, well, intermittent fasting or caloric restriction, right? That's your favorite topic there. This is well known to induce uh, robust uh, creation of new mitochondria. It's also known to clean the poor mitochondria out. And then the second aspect is, well, regular exercise. So aerobic and Mm. resistance uh, exercise regimens are known to have a very robust impact on mitochondrial health. And the third pillar, which we'll probably get into it, is what can you do in terms of uh, from constitu- constituents of your diet that can have robust mitochondrial effects that kind of supplement exercise and um, intermittent fasting because not everybody's you know 100 always compliant to these two other uh, mechanisms.
0: So I want to go back to one of the things you said of those three things that I have I've been really deeply thinking about, which is the mitochondria talking to each other, can or communicating with each other. So um, it, I've been really deeply for the last several years unpacking a concept called cellular danger response, which is, and you'll probably explain it a lot better than I can, but where the cell goes into a crisis and then the mitochondria stop pushing out ATP, they start alerting all the other cells that there's a crisis at hand. And this is a deal when it comes to autoimmune conditions, cancers, chronic diseases, so before we move on to all the wonderful things you can do for the mitochondria, can we address cellular danger response and what we can, what we need to know about that?
1: Fascinating question. So, so typically, um, mitochondria, as you just described, are the sentinels of of good cellular health. So, when things go wrong, for example, if they are under a lot of stress, if you're not eating right, or or uh, there's suddenly, you know, a lot of uh, stress on a cellular level from External factors such as even, you know, hot temperatures or cold temperatures, they are known to modulate uh, these kind of stress signals. What the mitochondria, the, what I described before, this sort of they, they'll go into sort of from a healthy state to an unhealthy state and the body will try to, to release these unhealthy fragments of poor functioning mitochondria, which we call fragments of, of mitochondria or mitochondrial DNA. This will go and then alert the other cell types, typically immune cells will pick it up and see it as a danger response, and, and they will basically uh, start responding and creating an immune reaction to it. And that's what you were trying to get into, that a lot of times this leads to autoimmunity, because sometimes uh, a lot of the viruses and bacteria manage to trick our cells and, and make this release happen from the mitochondria, and that leads to things like autoimmunity. So what can we do? Um, that So I, I think it boils down to really this Central tenet that mitochondria are this key hallmark of aging that connects every other hallmark or cellular behavior. And if you can improve mitochondrial health, you can then dampen this sort of stress response. And that's essentially what we are discovering, actually, as we do more and more trials. We think we are improving mitochondrial health, which we see the data. But in essence, in a parallel sort of biomarker that we pick up is these sort of immune uh, reactive markers like C reactive protein, for example and whenever we see mitochondrial health go better the the immune system looks a bit you know quieter and you know dampen. and so i think there's a very key nexus between uh, the danger response that you were describing and and how good your mitochondrial health is
0: and does the danger response happen because you're not giving the mitochondria what it needs or does it happen because of physical emotional chemical toxins that come into the cell and start to put it into this uh, reactive state? Or is yeah, it both?
1: A, yeah, it's it's what we call as oxidative stress. So basically, it's creating stress with with uh, these highly reactive oxygen species. Mitochondria are these, you know, sort of factories where a lot of oxygen consumption is happening and a lot of oxygen is sort of being uh, produced for, you know, that's, that's sort of why we feel fatigued or we feel more energetic kind of uh, at a whole body level. And so, what happens is if we accumulate too much of this, what we call as ROS or reactive oxygen species, this leads to damage of the mitochondria. And if you have too much mu- damaged mitochondria, your cellular health will just go off and you won't be able to fight. Uh, you know, you, you won't be able to feel very energetic or or mount even a proper immune response. So that's what's happening at at a cellular level.
0: And so if we looked at the mitochondria as a, uh, I, I always, I love to refer to things in our body as like pets. Like I always think of the, mit- the microbiome like this. Like if you really thought of your microbiome as like a pet you were trying to keep alive that was going to make you feel really good, here are all the things you would do to keep that pet alive. I feel like the, the same thing with the mitochondria. It has a checklist of things that it needs. Like you mentioned, intermittent fasting helps it. Well, I look at that, what does intermittent fasting do? It can stimulate, it can produce ketones, which is one of the requirements of the mitochondria. It can help with what you talked about, mitophagy, if you fast long enough, so it can clean those mitochondria up. We also know that the mitochondria has a bilipid membrane like the outer part of the cell, so we need to be giving it good fats. We also know that there are certain... Things we should be eating, like I heard, organ meats, or have certain capabilities of feeding the mitochondria. So, if the mitochondria was a pet that we wanted to keep alive, what on you know, what do you think of the checklist I just created, and what would you add to that checklist?
1: No, it's fascinating. Well, a- actually, there's a big field of uh, research that is upcoming, and that's called the the microbiome mitochondria axis, because. Essentially, Mm -hmm. mitochondria are nothing but ancient bacteria that involved, you know, within ourselves in sort of this symbiotic or or mutually, you know, agreeing relationship where, you know, we would as hosts, humans provide energy to to these ancient bacteria and and they would process our nutrients and and give us, you know, energy in return. So that's kind of uh, the the, the network between microbiome and, and the mitochondria story. Now, what is a checklist? I say there, you know, I think most of the things you, you mentioned, diet, exercise, uh, advanced sort of uh, supplementation with things that are known clinically proven to improve uh, mitochondrial health. Sleep is a, is a big one. Your circadian rhythm mm. is, is is how you're sleeping, believe it or not, uh, affects mitochondrial health. And, and, and stress, you know, stress at a lot of um, neurocognitive disorders are now ultimately... Pointing down to metabolic disturbances in which, at the root, is mitochondrial dysfunction. So those five, I think, are are pretty much. Uh, if you think about them, you you'll have and you address them, you'll have good mitochondrial health.
0: And what about light? I've heard like that mitochondria has sensors for different light, you know, frequencies or vibrancies, like red light. Is that true that it actually has a receptor site for that?
1: Yeah, yeah. There's a lot of new research that is just coming out, I guess, in the last couple of years, uh, b- uh, how they're sensitive to red light. I think it really boils down to their ability to regulate things like circadian rhythm and, and, and even a uh, hot versus cold. Uh, we worked with a professor uh, uh, close by, our, 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 where we are based in the University of Swiss Institute of Technology, and he even studies how hot temperatures and cold temperatures modulate mitochondrial And so, yes, there's a lot of new fascinating literature coming out showing that things like red light and and cold temperatures, and maybe that's why a lot of people in the biohacking community are doing a lot of these cold plunges, that these are things that you can use to improve mitochondrial health.
0: Yeah, yeah. It's, it's fascinating because I think it, when you look at the biohacking community and you look at everything from hyperbaric oxygen to red light to plunges, you start to see that at the root of everything we're trying to do with all of those biohacks is improve mitochondrial health. So that's why I think all of us understanding it in the best way possible is key for longevity.
1: A- absolutely. And, and, you know, probably you Listeners may have heard a lot about these hallmarks of aging on, on different, uh, you know, episodes of your podcast. But essentially, there are now twelve of them, the, and they all link to telomere attrition or stem cell exhaustion in our body or poor communication between our cellular organelles. At the central, I think the right at the at the middle is these mitochondrial dysfunction. Because if you correct that, you can correct basically all the others, as you're describing, and and it's amenable to to being to making it better right so if yeah. you can eat 20% less or if you can move uh, uh, walk and do your 10,000 8,000 steps that are recommended you are in fact improving your mitochondrial and cellular health so i think these are key key learnings
0: okay this that was a brilliant point and i want to make sure that nobody misses that because when it goes to either slowing down aging or overturning a diagnosis, it can get very, very complicated. We can get like, I call it shiny object syndrome, where we're like, I'm going to go do that, and I'm going to go do this. But what I love about the mitochondria and this discussion and why I'm, I'm wanting to break it down in the simplest way possible is if you correct the mit- and you get your mitochondrial health in order – If you correct the dysfunction of the mitochondria, you address so many things. Like it's one target that can amplify your health in so many different directions. I've taken people who have been really, really sick and just thought through the lens of their mitochondria, what do I need to do to get their mitochondria working well again? And once I do that, you start to see the body heal itself. It's it's really. I mean, I, I want to make sure nobody lost what you just said. If we're looking at the hallmarks of aging, mitochondrial dysfunction is a root issue that we need to address. So let's taking that thought. What do you think when we look at some of the things specifically that menopausal women go through? So you talk you when we first got on this call, you talked about skin aging. That's a big thing that we're concerned about. I also want to talk about muscle because as you, as we go through the menopausal process, the movement of hormones goes from our ovaries to our adrenals. And when the adrenals are super stressed out, they start to break muscle down to grab nutrients. And that's a, the muscle is rich in mitochondria. So now we're losing all that mitochondria. So, can you can you talk a little bit about both of those, and how what we can do to preserve muscle and to slow down the aging of skin?
1: Sure. So, I I think uh, let's start with those two. I I think bone health, from what we are seeing, is a third, another third factor. Yeah, we can
0: throw. Yes, thank you. We see.
1: So, so muscle health is. I think we peak in muscle mass and muscle function around the third decade of our lives. And then with each decade, we are losing about 10%. So in the moment we are hitting our 50s, 60s, uh, especially around that time, it even accelerates and becomes almost like 15, 20% of muscle mass and muscle strength loss. And and so as clinicians, as and as somebody who's seen a lot of old, uh, frail populations in my past life before I became a physician scientist, it, is that a lot of these people w- will come in with the classical complaints of where energy and Oh, I, I went for a walk, or I did gardening, and and my my muscles were sore. And I think for long the 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 whole fundamental, let's say, agreement in the muscle field was, oh, just boost your muscle mass, right? Just boost and get more mass. Oh, take a gram of protein for for every kilogram of body weight, and then you know as you get older, you know, increase that even more. but you can increase more muscle. Uh, or let's say protein intake, but if you're not improving the machinery in our muscle cells, which is all linked again to mitochondria, uh, after a certain age, and this is again well-known, you hit this anabolic resistance. So you, you, you're gonna, even if you're increasing your protein intake, your body is just letting it out because it's not able to process it. So that's something that happens after 50. So if you can make your cells more energetic, if you can improve the energetic capacity... I think you can have even better results with things like you know, protein and other nutritional supplementation because now you have this really dual combo. So muscle health, typically, that's where, and we've looked at uh, 60-year-olds and 70-year-olds who are, who are moving more, who are eating more protein and versus 60, 70-year-olds who are not you know, very sedentary, for example, uh, men and women both the uh, same. What we see is basically that uh, mitochondrial health is absolutely key in their skeletal muscles. So. so the better your mitochondrial health, the better your muscle health. So that's, I, I, I think, proactively, if already in your 40s and you know, early in the 50s, people are addressing these things, then sort of the trajectory towards losing more muscle mass and strength will be, will be diminished. So that's the muscle piece. Uh, skin yeah. aging is a, is a big uh, piece of the puzzle. Now, the skin cell also has a lot, hundreds of mitochondria. And what we see actually happen in, in the muscle happens in the skin as well. So when we look at a 30-year-old woman's uh, skin cell versus a 70-year-old woman's skin cells, we see the mitochondria number hasn't really changed. It's just their inherent uh, capacity to to make more energy, sort of what we call the energetic supply of the cell, has really gone down. And so if you could boost this energetic or rewire this energetic supply, I believe, and we are seeing the results actually in our trials uh, with some of these nutrients, is that you can put more collagen in because again mitochondria are the sites for collagen synthesis and so you have more collagen that you're losing in your skin cells over aging and that's how you can correct the skin bone I mentioned quickly is a, is the same we have looked at the bone cells in 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 sort of different models of osteoarthritis and in in people who with osteoarthritis. they have huge issues in mitophagy and autophagy in their bone cells and so that sets off a whole cartilage degeneration process that gets accelerated
0: okay so like osteoporosis is a is a dysfunction in mitophagy and aut- autophagy
1: osteoporosis has an element of mitochondrial dysfunction osteoarthritis has a big big component because now you set in motion with poor mitochondrial health this sort of inflammation aspect that then leads to you know pain and and that results in a lot of uh, you know bone degeneration and that leads to a lot of problems in Mobility in general, so combine muscle and bone issues together, and that's, in your 50s, that's a huge problem to address.
0: And and so if one of the fuel sources for the mitochondria is protein, but the mitochondria becomes more dysfunctional, and I would say even the cell as a whole becomes more dysfunctional as we age at bringing those amino acids into the cell for activation— um, now we're, we're in, we're in what I call a quagmire. What do we do? Like uh-huh. how we're at a funny little juncture, juncture as we age, where we're like, okay, I know I'm supposed to eat more protein so I can get more amino acids so I can build muscle and I can help with my, you know, slow down the aging of skin. Uh-huh. But, but my, but my cells aren't taking in that protein uh-huh. in the same way that it used to. So, I just keep eating more protein? And, and then how do I fit that in the fasting window is a question that a lot of people in my community ask. Yep. So we at this really funky spot where we totally understand everything you're saying. We're excited about keeping our mitochondrial he- mitochondria healthy, but we need other solutions to power up those mitochondria. What else do we have?
1: So typically today, um, the whole mitochondrial, let's say, uh, targeting field is split into improving and creating new mitochondria. That's what I was describing is the, as the as sort of the pathway of a mitochondrial life cycle that we call as mitochondrial biogenesis. So there are compounds such as NAD boosters, there's resveratrol compounds such as those that have been studied to, and, and, and what you're doing basically is creating more near mitochondria and, and who are young and healthy and will produce energy. Um, and the second is uh, there's uh, you can improve the efficiency of mitochondria. So that just means now instead of four ATP molecules, they're producing five ATP molecules per, per mitochondria. And that's yes. kind that, of please. Where, that's where sign
0: me up for that.
1: <laughs> yeah. So there there is a lot of uh, work done there um, on compounds such as CoQ10, Coenzyme Q10, for example. Yeah. That's where but what happens with aging is that now suddenly we have this trash bin, right, in, in 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 our cells and or in our mitochondria, and that gets stacked up, that gets filled. So there's very little space for near healthy mitochondria to to come in, or or for the healthy mitochondria to to let's say talk to others, even because there's a lot of garbage uh, separating. Uh, now we can't we our our cells by default just slow down to clean this way. So think of this as your trash bin in your home which gets full, filled. And if you're not cleaning it, your house will not smell very nice. And that's exactly what's happening in our cells. So calorie restriction does this very well. Uh, it it, it uh, stimulates autophagy and mitophagy, and that's the, the garbage disposal machinery. Uh, now there are nutrients, and, and the one we have uh, discovered and put about 10 years of research behind it is a molecule called eulotin A. And that activates naturally mitophagy, similar to what calorie restriction or fasting would do. And that's how it kind of takes the waste out. And now you have a lot of space to grow new mitochondria.
0: So, eurythanol A, when I first learned about your product, I thought, how can I know so much about cellular health, about nutrition, about detox, fasting? And I'd never heard of eurythanol A. So, yeah. can you talk a little bit about it? Because again, when I first started trying Timeline, um, I was shocked at how much more consistent energy I had throughout the day, and mm-hmm. so it made me fascinated by this one particular. Uh, and it's a prebiotic, right? That you that isn't it's, yeah. It's Can post, you talk a little bit about sure? That? So oh, it's a postbiotic.
1: Yeah, so urolitin is 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 a is a gut metabolite. So it's made by the gut microbiome. That's the link to the microbiome mitochondria that I was talking about. So a lot of us uh, are eating the right foods, such as the pomegranate or the walnuts and pecans. So if you're eating things like what are known in, even in the Mediterranean diet, or if you're just sticking to healthy foods and uh, nuts uh, like raspberries, for example, now these contain a lot of antioxidants that we know are good for you. But what we discovered was that it was not these antioxidants or polyphenols that are, so for example, in the pomegranate is the richest source of polyphenols, called elegitanins. Now, elegitanins have been studied, or pomegranates have been studied for, for thousands of years, l- hundreds of clinical studies, some going in favor, some not going in favor. What we discovered was, depending on the gut microbiome you have, and you may have it or you may not have it, you may have levels of a molecule that has the postbiotic urolitin And if you do produce urolitin A, your mitochondria are much better shaped. So when we started studying it, we found that only about 30% of the healthy adult population was, had some levels of urolitin A in their, in their blood, when we looked at the blood levels of urolitin A. So we figured out why not directly s- calibrate and give you know, sort of direct doses of the, of the postbiotic and see if that would have a sort of a cellular rejuvenation effect on, on our muscle cells. And that's how we got into urolitin A.
0: We also included a free bonus meal plan and a customized tailor way you can eat right for yourself. Also, of course, we put some fasting in there and it was a beautiful meeting of the minds. So I it, this is like a passion project that I'm so excited to share with you. And in order to get it, all you got to do is visit drmindy.org and use the code PS60PELS. So I'm thinking about the woman who's maybe been on multiple antibiotics, uh, maybe decades of birth control. And her gut is completely destroyed. And then she comes, you know, roaring into her menopausal years, and now has a major shift in hormone production from her ovaries to her adrenals. Her stress is super high, uh-huh. and so now her she's noticing more muscle wasting, more muscle soreness. She's not sleeping. Her moods are off. I mean, the whole I, I can paint the whole picture for you because uh, I have been her. Um, so what I just heard is that there could be a link between the lifestyle we had in our younger years and production of urithanol A as we move into our older years and that if we are if we are supplementing with urithanol A not only is it giving the mitochondria a nutrient I'll just call it that even though it's a postbiotic a nutrient that it needs to be able to give us ATP for energy. But is it possible with the addition of urethanol A, does it repair the microbiome from all the destruction we we endured in our younger years?
1: So I'll tell you my personal story. I grew up in India. And in India, when you're sick as a kid, you always get antibiotics, irrespective respect whatever, you know, it's a viral yeah. illness or a bacterial illness. I, and so I took, a, I got a, exposed to a lot of antibiotics. And and then I moved to the States, and I then finally last 15 years in Switzerland. And so the first t- time I, I, I we discovered this molecule, I actually bled my uh, self and, and started looking at if, you know, after drinking a glass of pomegranate juice, pure 100% squeezed pomegranates, my body will make it or not. My body just refused to make it. And so then I went on months of eating only berries and nut and sort of whole fresh food diet. I could never change my microbiome. And, and so... That actually led to this whole idea, well, then there are so many folks. And we've looked, actually, we've looked in in the U.S., we've looked in France and Italy, we've looked in Canada. It seems like the more exposed to fermented foods, the more exposed to sort of the Mediterranean diet you are, these are the areas of France, Italy, where we see this 30%, 40% people who have. U.S., Canada, Ah, it's like 10%, right? So whenever you'll hear me say, oh, 30% people, healthy adults can make it well it's it depends on their geography so in the US we've done hundreds of uh, people in the in a clinical trial only 12% came with some level of uridine so there are probably more people eating let's say the healthy diet and then so we we then gave them the healthy diet and we saw that you could convert about 30% in the, even in the US population to making the molecule but that brings the question why are the other 60% 70% never able to make it and the answer lies in the gut microbiome. It's really the richness, it's really the diversity. So I think you can probably change it, but that requires months and months of you know sticking to a fermented diet and, and really following it. And that's where direct supplementation really helps because you can actually give that those high levels of, of uh, urateinia, which is a cellular nutrient, exposure to to your body and for those you know for that for this nutrient.
0: And if you add in urethanol A, is that now something you got to add in every day for the rest of your life? Or is there a moment you get, you're like rehabbing the mitochondria and you're getting them back up to speed so that they can produce the ATP you want all all on their
1: own? So we've done a number of randomized placebo-controlled clinical trials. What we see is that you need to give, it's not a magic pill, right? It's like caloric, restriction or intermittent fasting you need to give your cells the time to repair so that's the first month kind of where we see the mitochondrial are if we take biopsies or if we take blood cells and we look in their mitochondria after one month of supplementation we see that the now the mitochondria are are in this sort of new growth phase and then when we give them we'll give the the supplementation longer for 2 to 4 months we start seeing the whole body effects mm-hmm. Now, the question you're asking is, well, after that, can you wean off and then maybe your, your mitochondria will be in, in good shape? Uh, well, I think you will have some much like exercise or fasting. If you stick to a regimen, you will get the benefit out of it. But as soon as you drop, you know, if you not become non-compliant to it, you're probably at a certain point going to lose the effects and then you'll have to redo the whole regimen again. So I think there's It's in the same category because we know the biological pathway that we are hitting is the same as what exercise or or fasting is hitting.
0: I'm such a fan of like a multi-therapeutic approach where we're pulling in a lot. And and I think I just want to make sure everybody's catching the through line of everything we're saying. If you're looking at fasting, you're looking at fermented foods, you're exercising, um, you're working on your stress, and you're adding in something like urethanol A – um, there, there becomes this mitochondrial lifestyle that you are now in sync with that is going to slow down the aging process. If somebody comes to a product like Timeline and they want to use it for the first time, it would make the most sense to me that you would make sure you're doing those other pieces I just mentioned, and that there would be a bit of a power-up phase where you're coming in with perhaps a high dose of urethanol A, for a period of, like you said, for, let's say, three to six months, and then there would be a maintenance dose after that. Because the way I see the body is that if we're always doing the same thing at the same time over and over again, we're not applying any hormetic stress, we're not tricking the cell to um, move into a different action that we want it to move in. So, have you all looked at if you come in with a therapeutic dose and then a maintenance dose with urethanol A and what that would look like?
1: Uh no, we haven't done those studies, but i, I can tell you because I, I have get a lot of real world because we've you know now have thousands of customers on it, and that actually led us to to develop tests even where you know you would first know if you get to know um, and we haven't lost the test, but that's sort of in a prototyping clinical uh, studying phase where. If you can already know where your urolitin A levels are, are you a producer, are you not a producer? Mm. If you are a producer, are you a low producer, are you a very high producer, meaning that your gut microbiome already is in great shape to, to harness some of the you know urolitin A for, from, from the dietary exposure, then you, you, you stick to a dose we know which is around 500 milligram, and you stay on it, right? Because then you're mm. getting these other exposures. Now, for someone like me whose body just refuses to make urolitin A, I I always say, well, you then you need to, and then again, you have to gauge as a practitioner or or as, you know where this person is in terms of their whole body health, right? If if they yes. are in a stressful state, then you start with a higher dose, as you're saying, and then after a few months, switch them to a lower maintenance dose. I think that that I think it's really on a case by case. Uh, you have yeah. to really look at look at that as that.
0: Yeah. And I think like when you said it earlier, like NAD, CoQ10, um, I think methylene blue is a real popular one right now that a lot of people are using for mitochondrial health. Mm-hmm. And um, what I've learned in the research that I saw on urethanol A is, and what I'm hearing you say is it's a necessary nutrient. And for those mitochondria. And so when you're giving that on a consistent basis, just like if you get, if you decide to dive into NAD shots or uh, methylene blue IVs, like you're giving these mitochondria a nutrient that it's being depleted of as it's aging. Is Is that, and as we age, we have to, we really have to think about this more it's, so th- So this is what I really want to bring to everybody's attention is, yeah, maybe your 30-year-old self didn't need to n- to think about this, but your 50-year-old self that may not feel like your 30-year-old self needs to start to think of all the ways you can power up those mitochondria and it becomes more necess- more of a necessity as we age.
1: I, I 200% agree with that. So I I, I think the way I see, you, and I've always seen your today, it's sort of the the foundation, right? So if you've got your cellular health in good shape, if you've got your mitochondria repairing themselves at a much faster rate, even if you're taking NAD supplementation, now you you'll absorb NAD better, right? Because now right. you're you've rewired your mitochondria to be in a much better energetic state, so they're absorbing whether it's multivitamins or, or or protein, you know, that is coming in, or amino acids through this protein synthesis pathway, or NAD. You're just gonna have, and that's, I know that a lot of people like to stack in the, in the community, take multiple supplementation. I think that's how I see it. It's really the foundation strategy that people need to think about is to improve the the sort of uh, repair capacity of your cells.
0: And, and that's how I saw it too. When I started to dive into looking at erythenol A, I was like, wow, why are we so excited about NAD? Why are we so excited about all these other things, but we haven't really highlighted this one postbiotic. So I, I'm glad that I was seeing that through the the same lens that you created Timeline for. Now, talk a little bit about Timeline as a product because you have tablets, you have serums, you have shakes. and, And where I really want my community to see this is as something we might be able to do within our fasting window. And we can do it as a way of not only powering up the mitochondria, but I also am thinking of it as a beautiful addition to so many of us that are trying to eat more protein and we can be getting similar effect on those mitochondria to keep our muscles strong, but do it in the fasting window, maybe requiring less protein in our eating window. I'm not sure if that's a a right analogy or a right way of thinking, but talk a little bit about your products and about um, and can we use them in the fasting window, and would it make it so that we don't have to eat as much protein in our eating window?
1: So we have uh, three product types, and they're all delivering the same dose, uh, 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 daily dose of the product. So you have the, the fruit flavors, so these are berry and pomegranate flavors, uh, sort of tip-in sachets that you just can mix it, um, in yogurt or 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 your shakes and, the, and and that's sort of speaking also to the roots of of the discovery from the pomegranates and the berries uh, where the precursors come from so that that's one of the more popular products then the the second and which is probably the biggest uh, um, uptake is, is the soft gel so these are pills they they have 250 milligrams of the compound people like to pop pills uh, exactly
0: I take the, them every day. They're very easy, for sure,
1: and, and they fit in with the fasting lifestyle, right? And and these are the ones we have actually studied the most. In all, uh, we've now run fifteen randomized trials. The ones we really see people absolutely being very highly compliant to, and we can count the number of pills at the end of the trial. For example, is is these soft gel pills? So it fits perfectly with the fasting. It has you know zero caloric uh, value. Doesn't impact the high protein shake we we launched that because i always felt that you know if you if you combine good taste with two different benefits so improving muscle mass with your muscle quality or energy you would have a a, a combo so that one of course because it's uh, 20 grams of whey you have to put some sort of things in there to, to natural sugars to sort of, uh, so that I won't recommend that fits in with the fasting lifestyle. No, wouldn't be,
0: yeah, um,
1: But it does, uh, you know, if you're making shakes, uh, uh, if you're doing, for example, your 16-8 intermittent fasting and you still want to, you know, eat something healthy and you do shakes, then that's where it fits in. Um, and a lot yeah. of people like this uh, protein shake a lot because of that.
0: I think actually it's really good for breaking a fast. That's how I use it. So mm-hmm. I've been using the, pill, the supplements in my fasting window, and then I've been using the shake to break a fast. Um, and, I, and I feel like then you can get your protein, you can get all the nutrients that are, that are in there. So one of the questions we get a lot in the fasting community is if you're taking certain supplements within a fasting window, are they either breaking your fast or are they pulling you out of autophagy? So if we look at amino acids as being a key nutrient for building muscle, one of my theories is that if we do an amino acid supplement within our fasting window, that it could pull us out of autophagy. I don't think we have any, I don't think we have any research on that. But with urethanol A, I'm thinking that it only enhances because of what you said, metophagy and autophagy in the cell when you take it in the, in the fasting window. So it would actually be uh, helpful to do it in a fasting window. It would amplify the fasting effects.
1: Yeah. and, and, Is, and I, you
0: have thoughts on that?
1: Sure. So we've done actually studies um, comparing your A effects to uh, fasting. So typically the, you know, these studies look at uh, the the induction of autology, the sort of the percentage and the, the health span extension in, in different aging models. And, and, and it's very similar. Uh, so if, uh, for example, autophagy induction is 30% following a fasting uh, period in different experimental uh, models, urolitinide comes very close. And, and if you combine both of them, you, you see an additive effect. And in all our trials, actually, the, the window we, we have told all the study participants where we see the best results coming in is after an overnight fast, that's the first thing they take. Mm. And, and that already makes sure there's enough urolitin exposure uh, that can amplify that response in the mitochondria uh, or at the cellular level. The second is exercise, and often I get asked the same question on exercise is, well, it, will this be additive if we exercise and a mitochondria or already uh, you know, mitophagy is happening because if uh, so we've actually done now a trial. We have not com- done a clinical trial combining it with the intermittent fasting, but we have done it uh, in, in, a- in, in athletes uh, who, are, who are training uh, for even Olympian-level uh, races. And we found that combining exercise with the uh led to a better recovery, less inflammation, because believe it or not, these, these athletes also get inflamed because of the, 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 the amount of training they do. And so we think there's a magnitude of response you can even build, uh, make it additive with fasting and and exercise regimens.
0: Yeah, and and it's the stacking that I think is really interesting because if we break down really what biohacking means, and I realize that we probably should have started off the conversation as we've thrown that term around, not everybody knows what that means, but all it means is that you are lining up your health habits with the way your body wants to be treated. That's the way, like you're lining yourself up with your own self-healing. And when we look at that, through the biohacking, through that lens, there are many things, behaviors you can do at one time that will amplify your self-healing. And so what you just taught me was, okay, we could fast, and we could work out in a fasted state and we could do timeline at the same time and now we are really putting our mitochondria into a power position i is the way i would look at it
1: yeah yeah that that would be a, a triple booster if, if we can do all, all those uh and that would be a green trial for for me to run in the future if i yes. can uh, usually we, we start in populations where we know mitochondrial dysfunction exists, like a bit sedentary population or, or a bit um, you know older population that with the the age is the stressor. But I think if you're practicing exercise, and I it, we have you have to yet publish this very cool data that we just uh, got recently with exercise come being amplified with mitopure, I think if you can add the fasting element, that that itself, and I think that would work. Actually, the way you said is. Yeah. You get this three-prong attack on your cellular energy that just sets you up, and you have more fuel left at the end of the day.
0: And then I'm also thinking, and then if you go when you go back into food, you would do a, a timeline shake, so you're getting that protein. And you can add in other protein powders and other to hit that 30 gram mark that's going to start the initiation of mTOR and the sensors Mm -hmm. within the muscles. Uh So now you've literally stacked like four or five different strategies that your body wants to keep not only the cells healthy, but to keep preserving that muscle. Because I do believe that muscle, as we age, is this key organ. I agree with the the zeitgeist of the moment, which is that muscle is that organ of longevity. I agree. And so then the question really becomes, well, if I have a fasting lifestyle, how am I going to fit this all in? And you've solved that problem. Like That's the way I look at it. You, You literally solved a huge fasting issue that is being discussed right now. And I want to go back to the powder you put in the water because mm-hmm. my my experience, and I don't know if you all have tested this, but the powder in water not only tastes amazing, but it doesn't spike blood sugar. You guys, have you have you done any trials on what it does to the blood sugar?
1: So it's happening right now. It's actually a trial. Uh, we are partnering with the, um, the National Institute of Aging, which is the, the premier institute in the United States to, for all things aging. And and we had data. Um, we 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 knew um, because I, you know I did a small pilot study where I stuck basically these glucose sensors, uh, and, and I gave everybody a glass of pomegranate juice. Now, just pomegranate juice um, has thirty grams plus of sugar, and that spikes uh, the blood glucose. Yeah, and if does. I if I gave uh, this uh, folks um, um, the the MitoPure berry powder before a few hours before, so I could time the peak of your let's the blood to then the 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 glucose peak, peak wouldn't happen now this is again just a pilot that I did and so uh, now we have more groups that have shown um, that uh, in pre-diabetics uh, you, uh, this could work as well just like you were saying and we're actually running this big trial now with the National Institute of Aging
0: that's amazing it's amazing I again I literally, when I saw your product, I was like, oh my gosh, where have I been? How did I not know about this?
1: Yeah. I mean, glucose people don't think about it, but glucose is being metabolized. The glucose metabolism is happening at the mitochondrial level. So if Mm -hmm. you could impact mitochondria protein sensors, you know, same same thing. So I think um, if you modulate your mitochondria, I actually think glucose uh, sensors could become like a de facto way or non-invasive way to actually look at some of your cellular health or your mitochondrial health.
0: Wait, okay. So you just gave me another idea. Uh, So if it helps, if the mitochondria helps with glucose regulation, then that person that's struggling to metabolically switch and get into ketosis and needs more support around the mitochondria, let me back up, Would it would behoove them to look at healing the mitochondria to make sure they can make that switch happen. And one of those missing things might be Eurythenol A.
1: Yeah, I totally agree. And that's the way I see it too. And 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 there may be ways to combine it also to, with the ketones or other ways. You know, MCT is a good fa- sort of things to to even boost it further. We've been only talking about fasting and, and exercise. But yeah. I do think that there are other ways uh, to sort of mimic fasting and that could be a- augmented with combining it with Eurythenol A.
0: Yeah. You need to come up with a product that can go in everybody's
1: coffee. Yeah, sure. Yeah. So the <laughs> beauty about urolitin A compared to other, let's say, um, natural compounds that have very robust health benefits is, uh, for example, omega-3. It doesn't smell very good if you know, it has this, all this, this fishy uh, odor. Urolitin is tasteless, is odorless, and you can leave it at different temperatures. And it just would not budge. And you can blend it with with a lot of different things. So that's the advantage we have in terms of a product formulation. So yeah, we're working on, on yeah how to make it. I, just see,
0: I see a whole way to enhance our fasting window now after talking to you and I, and you know, coffee is such a, a powerful tool with you add MCT oil in your fasting window to keep you in that fat burning state. I'm now thinking, okay, how do we get some your A products in there? Now, of course you can take the supplements uh, and that works well. So, mm-hmm. um, Last question I want to ask you, and this is one since you've been talking a lot about uh, studies. Have any of the studies you've done been on women only? And do you have plans to do study uh, timeline on women only?
1: So a lot of our studies um, are predominantly women uh, participants because uh, you know, so, so far, um, the study we did in the 40, 60 year old, uh, the disposition was, was about 60, 70% women versus 30% women. And, 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 then we've done a study in, in 70 to 90 year olds. Uh, um, and, and there also we had, uh, out of the 66 subjects we recruited, about 40 were women. So, and I'll never forget for as long as I do clinical trials in my life, uh, the oldest participant I've ever recruited was an 89-year-old lady, and she called me up saying, well, I finished the trial. I know the trial is still blinded, and you, you may have to finish. But I tell you, I stop your product, and, and and I garden, and I feel my sore muscles. So can you send me a, yeah. your product after you know which product I was, and tell me if I wasn't the right product or not? And she, believe it or not, she knew she wasn't the right product. And so I, I, a lot of our trials actually have a, a very good... Uh, representation of of women and now we're running these skin aging trials which is mostly uh you know involving uh, 40 50 60 year old women in the trial
0: yes yeah thank you thank you <laughs> we need the most you know and and when i look at that just skin aging um you know it makes me scared when we're putting poisons in our skin to slow down uh the aging process and what is that long term for those mitochondria it's like a Um, it's sort of a double-edged sword, right? So you put in toxins into your skin to make yourself look younger, but then you deplete your mitochondrial energy, which ultimately means that you're aging faster. So if we can use a product like erythinol A to power up those mitochondria and slow down aging, now we're incongruent with how our body wants us to, to be living. So- I love that you're doing so much on skin and are are you seeing any difference in men and women with your product?
1: Uh, so a lot of uh, research uh, early on, for example, in different aging models was uh, done either on male sort of rodents or female rodents. And the data was very similar. Our trials, w- w- we don't, uh, you know, specifically recruit only men or women. And as I was right. mentioning, most of them have about Sixty percent women and forty percent men. Oh, we we see same responses, and I've done sort of a, what we call a subgroup analysis, looking at if the r- rates are better in women versus men, and it seems to be the same. The it mitochondria, the same. Yeah. yeah, the mitochondria are are, you know, essentially behave the same way in both genders.
0: It's an interesting thought. I never looked at, you know, I'm always looking at the gender difference from a hormonal perspective. But I don't look at it from a mitochondrial perspective. But I would just I would think that the the point of the mitochondria is to allow your hormones to be to work at their best. And so if you're in a male body, that means testosterone going up into the brain to convert to estrogen. And if you're in a female body, it just means, you know, all that well, hormones mean more than just sex hormones, but um, again, we're back at root cause. like
1: Exactly. So believe it or not, mitochondria are also the factories where a lot of these hormones are getting made, right? So a yep. l- lot of research now in the mitochondrial field, when I go to really like top uh, longevity scientists which are starting is actually infertility or or, or women's health mm. because there are a lot of these issues, uh, uh, you know, in the reproductive field that are now pointing to, to, to issues, of, you know, poor mitochondrial health. And same with same on the sort of the other spectrum where a lot of issues with uh, men and testosterone production is being linked to sort of mitoc- poor mitochondria. So I think you know it's really the context uh, the, as a, the mitochondria evolutionary are these sort of cellular energy factories, and this you know depending on their environment they 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 change or it can be modulated, but at the core they are there to provide energy and and process nutrients.
0: Yeah. Wow, so cool. Well, Dr. Singh I really appreciate you creating such an amazing product. And I'm gonna encourage my community to really test it in their fasting window. You know, I think that there's two things I would expect my community to find is muscle of strength and building of muscle becomes easier. Skin, what like we talked about, the the skin aging changing, um, but then just overall vitality. Anything else you would add to that list of if you were a 50-year-old woman trying this product that you would expect to see uh, shift for the positive?
1: Yeah, so I, I think the number one feedback, and there's obviously the, the clinical evidence and the real-world evidence, and, and you know the amount of feedback I get that points to people feeling be- more better energy, more strength, and just better recovery. Like if you do exercise, a lot of 50-year-olds mm. swear that they're recovering better. Uh, and the body is less damaged because you know and they're doing even better than they were in their 40s. So I think that and the immune aspect we forget that uh, as as I mentioned the inflammation as we are all aging our bodies are getting inflamed and I think you just dampen your your, your, your body is less damaged and the danger signals we were talking at the start.
0: Yeah, I you know it's funny you say that. I actually have noticed less soreness and I work out hard and often. And my recovery's been amazing, so I hadn't attributed it to timeline. So, yeah, that was that's I, I can really vouch for that one. Not only consistent energy, but I just don't get sore after a workout. So that's that's impressive. I'm 54, so I'm going to give you some of that credit. So
1: <laughs> sure, thanks. How for do that.
0: people find you if they want to order the product? Um, and i we'll leave links in the in the show notes.
1: Mm-hmm. Yeah, they can go to our website timelinenutrition.com. And if they wanted to learn more on the science and clinical evidence and, and subscribe to receive sort of even learning more, they can go to mitopure.com, uh, which mitopure is the is sort of the uh, proprietary trade name for, for your latinate that our timeline company markets.
0: Beautiful. And then I have to ask you my last question that I ask every guest. Mm-hmm. And so if you were to name one superpower that you have as a human that you bring to this world. What would your superpower be?
1: Um, my superpower will be empathy. You know, I was trained as a doctor. Mm-hmm. I'm trained to 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 listen and, and understand. Um, sort of, a, and yeah, I mean, really connect all the the the, the dots that you know. This, let's say, is the symptoms of a person at a whole body level, and find this root cause. And that's why I switched to actually becoming a physician scientist because I realized my core strength was digging deeper and really going at the root cause of, of, of these issues we all have with aging. And so that's my superpower, I think.
0: Uh, you know what? I think we need more people on this planet with empathy as their superpower. So that <laughs> that is a heck of a superpower. So really appreciate you, Dr. Singh. I cannot say enough about your product. Um, it, it is one that will stay in my personal regime forever. And I'm just so grateful that there are scientists like you out there really digging deep into understanding what we can do to slow down aging. So massive appreciation.
1: Well, thanks for having me. Wonderful being on your podcast and talking to you. Thanks so much.
0: Mm, Thank you. Thank you so much for joining me in today's episode. I love bringing thoughtful discussions about all things health to you. If you enjoyed it, we'd love to know about it. So please leave us a review, share it with your friends and let me know what your biggest takeaway is.